Major support for Out to Lunch provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support for Out to Lunch from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, Inc. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business... New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Happy to have you along with this edition of Out to Lunch, the show about New Orleans business. We're at Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District, which is appropriate today because we're talking about gardens. As New Orleans gets more popular, more people move here and we find ourselves becoming more densely populated. Old warehouses become apartment buildings, blighted neighborhoods are regenerated. It's all positive growth. But what happens when this growth is accompanied by the current awareness of the benefits of local and self-sustaining food production. How does a densely populated city find the space to grow enough food to feed itself? One solution is to build up, and that's what Verdi Farms is all about. My guest on Out to Lunch today is one of the co-founders of Verdi Farms, Kevin Morgan Rothschild. Kevin, welcome to Out to Lunch. Hello, thank you for having me. And so you have changed. I have been a gardener since I was about six, but I use dirt. You don't use dirt. No, we use vertical aeroponic towers to grow. Kevin, while you're working on growing vegetables locally, my other lunch guest today, Megan Neismer, is working on the other end of the food chain, distributing fruit. Hi, Megan, and welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you so much for having me. And I have met you before. I saw you pitch at the, uh, at the Tulane Social Entrepreneurs event. That's right. Megan, I don't want to give people the wrong idea here. You're not driving a fruit delivery truck. like. Although I do love the, uh, the okra man that goes around here. He was kind of an inspiration for us. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually the founder of the New Orleans Fruit Tree Project. This is really a unique concept. You find fruit trees around the city that have more fruit on it than people in a single household need, and you distribute that fruit to people that have no fruit trees. You're the Robin Hood of fruit. <gasps> I'm so glad you said that. Really, that's I, the way you like I, to? I secretly like to think of ourselves as that. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. That's a great way for introduce you at parties. Seriously, didn't this used to be called just being neighborly? Somebody on the street would have a lemon tree, the lemons would all get ripe at once. The guy with the lemon tree can't use them all at once, so he gives them away to neighbors. Uh, does that not happen anymore? I think it does happen, and that's ideally what we'd like to see. But I think a lot of times people underestimate that the two-foot-tall Meyer lemon tree that they're planting in their backyard is actually one day going to be 20 feet tall and give off about 500 pounds of lemons. I've heard of neighbors of some of our people that have registered their trees, like having to secretly leave bags of fruit on their neighbor's doorsteps because they can't give it all away. And we found that people just have a hard time getting rid of it all. And some people don't even have the ability to harvest their own fruit. And a lot of times that's where we come in. We work with a lot of elderly people, people that might have disabilities that actually can't get the fruit themselves. And now, tell me where they're distributed to. There's a number of organizations, right? We, we predominantly work with Second Harvest Food Bank. Um, we also distribute fruit to uh, Tulane Community Health Center. Um, and in the past, we've delivered to Ozanam Inn, uh, Food Not Bombs, and a few other organizations, uh, Sankofa Farmers Market. Now, is a certain season, is this mostly taking place in the fall? Yes, uh, we start harvesting, um, or getting calls to start harvesting around November. We finish up uh, around um, April and May. 
Wow, well, that is, uh, that is terrific on both ends. And yeah, I will say you, you, you left us some satsumas. That's one of the nice things <laughs> you do when you come to someone's house. <laughs> now, Kevin, the most visible and most talked about of your local Verde Farm Urban Gardens is the farm on the rooftop of Rouse's supermarket downtown. Uh, that seems like the perfect example of the futuristic food chain. But it's also kind of back to the future, isn't it? Our, our modern concept of urban dwelling and farming has been to separate the two, grow, grow food on the farmland, somewhere in the middle of the country, and then truck it into the city where most of us live. Now we've come to realize how much better it would be if you could live where the food is grown and uh, we can do away with the environmental harm of trucking, uh, enjoy the health benefits of eating fresh. But how far can we turn the clock back? Uh, Kevin, I mean, how much of an impact can Verde Farms and, and what you're doing have? Yeah, well, that's exactly the, the, the premise of our business is, is to bring agriculture back into the environment. And uh, there, obviously, with, when you're using hydroponic technology, you're, you, you can't grow every single vegetable. You're limited to fruiting vegetables and, and leafy greens and herbs. Uh, so that's, that's really our goal is to grow. Our first goal is really to so make oil as a city. You can't grow corn <laughs> like I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend growing corn. Okay, all right. I haven't tried it, but <laughs> <laughs> but but really, I would start off. You know, our first goal is to make New Orleans the city that grows all the salad greens it consumes, and we obviously are working with our supermarket partner uh, on that uh, mission. Uh, and the we have we have certain logistical issues that we're working out in the development of that project. But the uh, you know, as you look at the history of our cities and, and agriculture. Traditionally, a lot of our, our produce was grown right outside the, our cities, but as we, as we uh, converted a lot of these, these neighborhoods into suburbs and exurbs, we lost a lot of the agriculture in our, in our neighborhoods, that are, I mean, outside, right outside our cities. Like so, uh, Harahan was yeah, all those truck farms. Exactly. All, yeah. You have uh, Deshrahan, uh, the, the German farmer's markets out there. So really, that's, that's really our inspiration, is how can we bring it back into the city, as you said. And uh, we believe that hydroponics is, is the way to go. And, and uh, if you know we're not, we don't have to worry about bringing lots of soil into the city. We don't have to worry about the large weight of shipping the soil up to the si up to certain environment areas. And obviously, there's certain sustainable benefits of using hydroponic technology as well. And so. Kevin, we actually have. You mentioned dirt. Um, we've got kind of a dirt problem in New Orleans, right? I mean, in terms of uh, lead poisoning. Yeah, exactly. Like that? Uh, we have we have lead poisoning all over the city. So uh, when we use hydroponics, we completely avoid any of that those issues. Wow, and, and in addition to Rouse's, I've, you've got what, Dominique's on Magazine Street, and uh, where else are you? Yeah, well, we actually, I don't know if I should officially launch it yet. You may let me let them do a, a press release about it, but we just installed uh, a, a system at Newman High School, or Newman School in Uptown, and we're excited to begin working with them. We're excited to work with, with more schools. We have several other school partnerships we're working on that are in the, in the pipeline, and uh, we, hope to work with, we hope to work with more restaurants and schools and hotels and all, anybody who wants to start growing their own fresh food locally. So. Well, now, I, I love radio, but sometimes you have the trouble of trying to picture this. Like, one of the things I'm thinking about is the, those things they sell on late night TV where you grow tomatoes hanging upside down. It's not quite that, right? It, can you describe what it looks yeah. like? Well, these are actually vertical aeroponic towers. So what, what it is is they're about up to 10 feet tall, and the water is stored in the base of each tower, and it's pumped up every 15 minutes on a timer. Uh, to the top of the tower, and what it does is it showers the roots with nutrient-rich water as it flows back to the bottom. So you're actually reducing water consumption because you're constantly recirculating the water. Uh, studies have shown that it reduces about by about 90%. So. 
Why don't you done it locally? But you've actually got some projects outside of the area as well, right? Yeah, we, well, my business partner, Doug, has done consulting on, on certain projects outside of New Orleans. And now he's actually also working directly with a company that, that's developed, that owns the patent on the technology. So he's working there. He's, on, he's the head of sales for them now. So uh, we're excited to you know, have that strong relationship with the company that owns the equipment. Let me ask you yeah. both. Um, you know, I was surprised when I was reading up for the show that the, the average produce travels something like, what, a thousand miles to get to the customer? I mean, uh, how can, why is, the, walk me through that. That seems like an awful <laughs> long way. Uh, well, you know, as, uh, when, when the produce is harvested, it, it goes through certain different terminal markets before it reaches the consumer. And, and you can look at certain graphs that shows what percentage of our farm dollar uh, is, is actually benefited from the farmer. Uh, and you, sometimes it's you know ten percent, twenty percent, depending on what study you're looking at. But uh, what what we find, you know, with with us, we're not we don't have to. We're, we're if we're selling directly to the supermarket, we're going on their rooftop. Uh, obviously, the roots and the rooftop program is actually a project of Rouse's. But moving forward, we want to develop our own farm. Uh, and you know, the the only there's there's no middleman. So we're eliminating the the shipper, all the packaging and and all the, the potential loss of revenue, and that's how really how we're going to be able to create a viable model for urban farming. So. Now, I know, I know when sometimes when people listen to this show, they, they, one of the questions is, you know, how do they hold on financially? Uh, uh, I'll start with you, Megan. Do you sell some of the fruit? We have. This year we started um, working with our lemon tree owners, and this is something we kind of avoided in the last couple years because it wasn't a fruit that the food banks were able to utilize. So this year we actually started reaching out to all the fruit tree owners that had registered their lemon trees and we explained our situation that we were going to start um, making relationships with restaurants and individuals to sell lemons. And this was a way to reduce food waste because these lemons were going to go to waste anyways um, and while continuing relationships with our fruit tree owners. And then in addition, creating a revenue source to help cover operations for fruits that we could donate. And so this year we started harvesting lemons um, and it accounted for less than 20% of our total harvest, but it actually covered 100% of our fuel costs for the year. Um, we started working with Surrey's Restaurant. Um, they predominantly, we also sold lemons to Hay Cafe. Um, so this is something that we're really excited. Um, you know, we're reducing waste, and at the same time, we're making a little bit of money. The homeowners are totally supportive of it. They're very knowledgeable about where their lemons are going. Um, and it's been a really exciting um, to reach out to restaurants and say that we are offering this service. And the restaurants in turn love saying it's all grown locally. It's and, all uh, grown locally. This is the, uh, the next part of the show is called Checklist. And we uh, we ask you a couple of questions that probably wouldn't show up on a loan application. I'll start with uh, with Megan. Um, what's the one thing you'd change about yourself? Change about myself? Yeah. Um, I think I would try to be a little bit more, um, what's the word I want? Uh, not forceful by any means, but um, a little bit more uh, bold in my Especially with the organization and the sector, you know, business that I enter, nonprofit world, you have to be able to talk to people, you have to be able to reach out, make the connections, and sometimes I'm always a little uh, shy about that. But I definitely you don't want to get so bold. You're actually taking fruit from people that have no. Are not I want them to sign fruit. up. Yes, yes, they are. <laughs> Next time we'll see you on a, on our new show, Prison Time. There's a. And what about what about Kevin? What uh, would I change about myself? Uh, I would. I would probably go, go back to school more. <laughs> what would you study? What would you pick up? Well, I would I want to study uh, a combination of like horticulture and business before before launching a, such a project. So you sort of 
you got this yeah. great idea and just went uh, went forward. You didn't. Yeah. So we were, you know, we were in, we were undergrads at Tulane, seniors, and and uh, we, we thought it'd be a great idea, and we, we started working on it, and it's really been a learn as you go experience. So, uh, you know, we've made a lot of mistakes, but. I feel like that's the way a lot of the best entrepreneurs do it. They don't go to school for what they're studying, but or what their what their project is, but but it, they end up very successful. So yeah, that's actually funny. Whenever entrepreneurs come to school, that's usually the uh, one of the the problems with it. They usually end their speech by saying, you know, don't do what I did. You did such a good job in that. I'm going to come back to you, Kevin. What what's the best day you've had at work? I'd say the best days are when we're first launching a project, when we when we uh, you know finally after months of planning, months of of you know, is the project going to happen? And then you see it, and you know, people start taking interest. The press sees it. And that's all always fun. It's it's not as stressful as as you know. Oh my God, we got to make it all work right. And <laughs> so you've, you've turned the spigot there at Rouse's, and the water comes yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. And that's, uh, that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Meg? What's what's the best part of the job? I remember this one day, um, sometimes we do orchard gleanings down in Plaquemines, um, and this takes place after a farmer has sold off basically their, their first crop. And then um, the, what remains is usually not, um, can't be sold for a good market price, and so they'll have people come in and harvest it, and it's kind of a tax write-off. So we've worked with three orchards now in this kind of gleaning situation. And we had a day where we had a huge operation, 200 setsuma trees. Um, some, the weather did something weird last year, and they were ripening too fast, so we had to get them. We had almost 30 to 40 volunteers come down, and it was a beautiful day. There was a reporter there. Someone had brought their dogs. They were running around, and it was like blue sky. It was like this magical moment. You know, everyone's... <laughs> carrying boxes and I think we got uh, 3,500 pounds of fruit that day in, wow. in less than three hours. What? Now tell and me, if, if, if you had, uh, when I think of these, these orange trees, these satsumas and orange trees, what's, what's wrong with them that they, don't, they can't make it out to the, the commercial thing? Is it just the look of them? Sometimes it is just the look of them. They'll be on the brink of being too ripe and they kind of take on this bulbous, kind of ugly appearance. The fruit inside is usually just fine. But, you know, when we go to the supermarket now, we're so used to seeing this pristine fruit That's that exactly usually right. doesn't have that great of a taste. So I nowadays will trust like a rusty looking grapefruit from someone's backyard over, you know, one that might have come conventionally. I know when I, I grew grapefruit, I remember thinking the supermarket, they must paint them or something because mine don't look like that at, no. at all. <laughs> <laughs> they now usually don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be time to check our inbox. That's uh, where our producer picks a question that's come in uh, during the week from a listener. Grant, what have you got? Peter, we got this question on Facebook from Louis Ludwig and he asks, has there been much or any cooperation and coordination from city government in utilizing public or unreclaimed properties, for example, the Lower Ninth Ward, for either of your projects? That's a good question. Not specifically with our project. I know that Nora has reached out and partnered with Propeller to do the Lots of project, uh, Progress uh, grant, which was great. And we had and What's that about? That's, these are lots that are... Yeah, they had, a, they had a competition back in, I believe it was around Pishnol in November. Mm -hmm. uh, and you were in that. Yes. yes. <laughs> we were were on you the one of the lots of progress? We you were, were in the lots of progress. You were the other one. Um, okay. We did the other, the other social competition, yeah. but. Um, so these are empty lots of which we've really 
got a lot. Yeah, and so yeah. we actually took on a number of those lots, I think, but through Habitat for Humanity. So we actually took over nine vacant lots in the Upper Ninth Ward, um, LaSat and Montague Streets. Um, and we're in uh, preparation right now, um, remediating the soil, putting up fencing, getting uh, rain catchment systems so that in the fall we'll be ready to plant um, 100 to 150 fruit trees out there. Um, and uh, actually, the city of New Orleans, when the project first did get it started, um, we got a grant through the Wisner donation. Um, so they were very supportive of our project from the get-go. You see, we actually prefer rooftops because rooftops are flat and level surfaces. For us, if we're using a lot, you know, we have soil, we have to worry about paving the ground, making it floodproof. So we like rooftops. You know, I think so far we've been talking about uh, kind of the commercial applications of, of the product. But what about individuals? Can they go ahead and have this? Yeah, the, the, uh, the equipment we use is definitely available commercially. We also uh, off periodically offer workshops in, in training people how to operate a tower garden or build their own desktop aquaponics system. Uh, there's definitely applications uh, from do-it-yourself applications to buying a tower garden for home use, which is uh, available through our website. You can purchase a tower garden. And again, again it's made by the company uh, Future Growing that we work with. Just give me an idea. How much would yeah. something like that cost? Well. But you see, Peter, you're actually putting the future of food. You're putting the production of food in your own in your own, you know, hands. So, the cost, the co starting cost for a tower garden is five hundred dollars. But you know, if you want to build your own desktop aquaponics system, you can do that for under a hundred dollars. Really, it really depends what you're what you're looking for. I believe um, you guys actually know each other from the Holly Grove uh, Market. We've actually done a show out of there uh, once. What were you? Uh, how did you connect over at the at that part of the world? Uh, I started at Holly Grove in 2011. I was a Tulane Center for Public Service uh, AmeriCorps VISTA. And I started there um, right after grad school at Tulane uh, with my master's in public health. So it seemed like a good fit as far as, you know, food and food accessibility in a, in a pretty neglected area. Um, so when I was there, though, I, we got a lot of calls with people with excess fruit. And Holly Grove was kind enough to let me take their van out a couple times. And that's how the fruit tree project started. Um, and so while I was there, though, I'd run into Kevin. And Kevin, what was your yeah. role over there? Yeah, so in around 2011, 2012, Doug and I were first planning our business. And, and the Holly Grove market actually asked, acted as a test bed. They gave us some space right outside the market. And actually, we still have that space today. And uh, they essentially allowed us to set up uh, a system about the third, a third of the size of the Rouse system where we were growing fresh salad greens and selling them right to the market right there. And also, yeah. uh, that seems like a good, the kind of people that go there would be a good market for the system yeah. itself, right? Exactly. Let's see, this is the part of the show we call our lunch money uh, part, and we ask each of the guests to come up with a stock pick. And uh, of course, one of the things we start off with is the, that we've got a great backdrop. This has been the best stock market rally since World War II. We're up about 160% since the bottom of March of 09. So, most things are moving up. Uh, it's interesting because you don't you get a lot of negative news, but the stock market keeps moving, uh, uh, moving straight up these days. And so I'm going to ask each of you to come up with a, a stock pick that you'd like to to have in our lunch money uh, uh, portfolio. Uh, Kevin, I'll I'll start with you. What, what are you going to bring for us? I picked uh, Yahoo because when I was in elementary school, we had a little stock market game, and uh, I think our, each, each the teacher gave everybody fifty thousand dollars. It was really generous of him. And uh, <laughs> and I won. Oh. I invested in Yahoo. I think I made this is you know probably in the '90s during the tech boom. So so I made about you know ten thousand dollars and I got a free soda. And uh, wow. Yeah. So and also obviously you know Yahoo is making interesting moves. I think they just bought Tumblr, 
And uh, you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a gamble right now, which way it's going to go, and it's pretty cheap. So, wow, that's that's pretty. Boy, when I was in grammar school, I could not have invested in Yahoo. <laughs> Yahoo was what cowboys yelled out. So this was a, this would have been a lot different. It's a Yahoo Z Y H O O on the on the Nasdaq. So uh, and. Uh, Megan, what do you want to give us? Um, I went with Whole Foods, and I had to do a lot of Googling because I don't know anything about okay. the stock market, <laughs> let it be said. Um, I went with Whole Foods, though, because of uh, something that was announced last week, uh, the Refresh Project on Broad Street. Oh, isn't that terrific? Yeah. yeah, it's a really amazing project, and uh, Whole Foods has taken on a pretty big part of that, and I think them showing their investment into a, a pretty large strategy that's going to affect an entire neighborhood is a really positive step forward for any big corporation, I mean, regardless of if they're a grocery store or what they are. So I was, I was pretty blown away by, by their involvement with that project. That, and I think this is only the second kind of store of this kind. They had one in Detroit, and, uh, mm -hmm. but this is, this is terrific. Whole Foods is a, a WFMI, Whole Foods Market, and uh, stock's over $100 a share, but you can afford that because yeah. you have a lot of Setsumas. <laughs> Megan Neismer, Kevin Morgan Rothschild, there's probably nothing more basic than fruit and vegetables as we grow as a society. It's amazing that we're still finding new ways to grow fruit and vegetables. You're both doing fascinating work in a field that is as fundamental to our survival as it's ever been. Thanks for uh, joining me and out to lunch today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's good to have lunch with food people. This is good. My, <laughs> my guests on Out to Lunch today have been Kevin Morgan Rothschild, co-founder of Verdi Farms, and Megan Neismer, founder of the New Orleans Fruit Tree Project. To find out more about Kevin's veggies and Megan's fruit, follow the links on our sites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. The web designer and digital guru is Dr. Cliff Brigden. The always charming Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. On our website, it's neworleans.com. You can join our mailing list and keep up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And you can also listen to past shows or get this show as a podcast on itsneworleans.com and wwno.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Eris studio monitors, and more. More information about Baton Rouge-based PreSonus is online at presonus.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. I look forward to meeting you again next week for Out to Lunch around the table here at Commander's Palace. Till then, be well, be safe, be happy. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937. Now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support for Out to Lunch from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, Inc.